0: Good morning, morning. happy Sabbath, you know, oh, here comes the other Bible, right? This is, yeah, you know, this is perfect timing, sort of a segue of what I would like to to say here. You guys honored us with our birthday wishes, which happens every year and we're just getting older and they're going to be less exciting to celebrate as we get older, But I do want to say, with Christian and Nicole, um, we are praying for you. And it's not going to be we're praying for you until tomorrow. We're praying for you for the rest of your lives. Because you who have been married, are married, you realize that this this is a journey that is really great if the Lord is in the middle of it. But as you know, that it can be a challenge if he's not. So we pray that the Lord is at the center of your relationship constantly. Um, but we are really, really excited for you and the way that the Lord has led you together and uh, what he's going to do through your ministry. So we pray also that you find a church that's probably about half as good as this church. Uh, at least half as good. Uh, but we pray that, that your ministry just begins from now on together together. Sing with me. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, cries the Lord. Father, blessed is your name. Great is your faithfulness. Honor be to you. Father, I know that that we're praying for a Sabbath blessing, but I I do want to pray that the Spirit of the Lord is upon especially Nicole and Christian. Anoint them, empower them for ministry, and may people see what it means to be truly in relationship with Jesus Christ through their relationship, through all of the marriage relationships in here, and through our working with each other. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Returning from their ocean migration, they're getting ready to move upriver. Their eggs can only survive in the shallow headwaters of Highland rivers, high up in the mountains. So raised water levels present them with their best chance of reaching the spawning grounds. They must time it right, if their offspring are to survive and make their own journey out to sea. But there's a problem. The falls are blocking the salmon's path. There's only one way to get around them, and that is to go over them. It's a game of persistence and luck. Launching themselves above the sill requires formidable acceleration. Their muscles are adapted for short, sharp bursts of energy. Leaps can cover more than three meters. And although they fail time after time, their desire to push on is so strong, they never give up.
0: Are you not amazed? Isn't that crazy? I mean, we see, you've known, if if you're of a certain age, you've known that salmon swim upstream. But I would love to see any of you try to swim up the Niagara Falls. This is insane. And sometimes I wonder why God wired fish like salmon that do this upstream in this certain way. There are theories scientifically on why, that it makes it easier for the offspring so that they can just sort of follow along. But, but what an amazing thing to happen that they go up a waterfall. The text here says this. In Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I think traditionally we see something like this picture up here and we think this is what it's talking about, is that there's a separate way that is very narrow and then there's this big gate, this big road that is just very easy to go through and there's sort of this two paths and, and we, we might have a chance to read, but you know the Robert Frost, uh, the road not taken, that's sort of the idea that we We see there's a really rough road, this narrow one, and there's this big one. Over the years, my mind has changed on what this really means, this text really means. I actually believe, if you go to the next slide, that this is not a separate path. Two roads that diverge. It is the same path. Follow me visually. There is a path of people that are going this way. Imagine somebody leaving a movie theater, leaving, uh, or 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 shopping at Walmart on Black Friday. And on the same path, there are a few that want to go that way, and they have to make their path through. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been at an amusement park or somewhere that's so packed and everybody's moving this way, but you want to go that way? Have you ever done this? And, and especially if you want to take your child with you or something, you're just like, okay, just follow me. And you're bumping into people and they're bumping into you and everybody wants to go this way and you want to go this way. I actually believe that is what Jesus is saying here. That narrow is the way because everybody's going this way. Broad is this way. And narrow is this way. You know that feeling to go against what the rest of the crowd is doing, to go upstream. It is so much easier to go with the flow. Do you remember talking about Walmart on on Black Friday? I think it's been 11 years this year, 10 or 11 years, where that worker that opened the doors got trampled and died because there were so many people rushing in that he couldn't keep up. Actually, several people were trampled but he was the one who died. There is threat of death to go against the crowd. To be the one that's in the way from this movement here, this way. And it just seems so much more efficient to follow the wide road, right? Doesn't it? You use so much less energy. I'm just gonna go this way. I mean, if you think about it in... in, in uh, practical things that we do like when you chop wood how many of you have chopped wood before okay you know that you chop wood and you have a say you get a log that's a circle you know it's sort of cylindrical right a cylinder now if I want to chop it into firewood do I turn it on its side so that the circle is this way Why don't I do that because I go against the grain and things are a lot harder against the grain so I turn it this way and I split it this way and it's much much easier do you know the same way with meat that there are grains in meat and people can either cut with the grain or against the grain of the, of the uh, muscle. But with meat, you find out that, even though I'm a vegetarian, uh, but you find out with meat that it's a lot tenderer and better if you go against the grain. It's better off to go against the grain. It's a lot tougher because then you gotta, whoever's eating it has to fight that grain. But then there you know if you go against it it's you sort of make the grains really tiny. You know this story, you know the 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 Walmart story reminds me of do you remember the story of Elijah where uh where they're they're in famine and he says by this time tomorrow I will guarantee you that you will have food that's going to be super cheap. And one of the king's uh, officers says, even if God opened the skies of heaven, it wouldn't be so. And because of that, Elisha says, because you made that statement, you're not going to see it. And what ended up happening is because the people went and they, you know, were so hungry for food, they trampled this guy and he died. He wouldn't go with The people going against the grain is not easy going the narrow path if they are on the same path and going the opposite direction is way harder than oh I'm going to just take this narrower path here and then there's this wider path here No, no no the narrow path is through in the opposite direction does that make sense to me that makes way more sense then, well, there's these two paths. Let's read on. In Matthew uh, 7, 15 through 19, it says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. But by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick graves from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You know that we use this expression we have wolves clothed in, in sheep's clothing, right? It, is, it comes from here. We even have uh, fairy tales that have sort of come from this. Uh, who, uh, uh, Red Riding Hood, remember she went to go see Grandma? and Grandma, man, you got some large teeth. Sort of furry, large nose and mouth. He says, it's better to smell you with or see you with or whatever. He was hiding in grandma's clothes. Wolves and sheep's clothing, to me, are people that will say or do whatever they can to get what they want. It's It's never for your good. It's for their good. Traditionally, back in the 70s and 80s, it was the used car salesman. What does it take to get you into this car? Oh, growing up, and what I dread is when my daughter's ready to date. Because boys will be boys and sometimes they will say whatever they can to get what they want. Oh, I love you. Oh, of course I want to marry you. I can't see my life without you. Hmm. Politicians. This is why people are are struggling with politicians. Actually, this is why I believe people, and I am not making a political statement, please. This is why people were behind Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. Because they were saying stuff that was different than the political climate. We are not going to just go the wide road. I'm not saying that they are going the narrow road, but that's what they claimed. We are going to go against the system. Maybe these false prophets that will say whatever they can to manipulate us is media. I don't like using terms like fake news. But I will tell you this. We're ignorant if we don't believe that the media manipulates society. I want to read a quote from David Rockefeller. I didn't put it up there. If you guys know, if you've ever heard of the Rockefeller family, uh, if you haven't, look into them because they were probably one of the most influential, powerful families in American history for generations. David Rockefeller, who is, was a very powerful man in the Chase Bank industry, in 1991 says this, We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years, it would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subjected to the lights of publicity during those years. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march toward a world government. The supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite And world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto determination practice in the past centuries. I don't know if you caught that. He said, We want to thank these huge media industries for keeping their mouths quiet while we did our own agenda. Because if you guys would have put light on it, we couldn't have accomplished it. There are false prophets out there. And they're changing our society. Let's continue. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. By the way, just so that you know, just a side note, in Judaism, trees are huge. I mean, not, not physically, but trees are seen as the pinnacle of the, veg, of the plant world. I mean, what's bigger than a tree? As a in the plant world in vegetation nothing so hence the tree of knowledge of good and evil the tree is supposed to be seen if you read in some jewish writings they are they have one purpose supply life to everything else and if they do not supply life they are worthless hence jesus comes to a tree and he's so hungry and he says I'm going to eat from this tree that's already flowering, but there is no fruit. Remember this story? And he curses it. They come back from the temple and it is dead. Because if it doesn't produce fruit, it is worthless. Maybe even worse if it produces bad fruit because you think you're going to get something from it. False prophets, to me, and if you're watching your notes, this is an allusion to Elijah. Because if you remember, on Mount Carmel, well, before they get there, Elijah says to Ahab, we're going to meet. We're finally going to put an end to this drought. We're finally going to put an end to the spiritual drought. Bring all your prophets of Baal, and we're just going to see who's the real God. This is the epitome of false prophethood. It's something in religiosity that looks similar but is very different. And God could have wiped out all those pro- false prophets before, right? But instead he lets them play for a day. So from the morning sacrifice all the way till noon, they're playing and if you know what the even the text says, what did they they cut themselves? They danced around and about noontime, Elijah says, you know, maybe he's tired, he's sleeping, you know, maybe your God's, and if you read the original language, he says, maybe your God is at the toilet. And it's not number one. He says, maybe your God is relieving himself. Just wait for him. You got to scream a little bit louder. Knock on that door. Hey, come on, Baal, it's time to go. We're trying to reveal your glory. You can make it rain. And he waits till the evening sacrifice and he says this small prayer. God, you're the God. Just reveal yourself. And you know the story. The fire consumes it. It actually says it ate and licked up the water that was around it. It's something... The false prophets will look similar, but if you let it play out, their fruits will be quite a bit different. And I believe that's my personal opinion on why that whole day played out that way, is all of Israel had to see what the false prophets were about. A lot of words, but not the power of God to transform this is actually what Satan does. You know, Satan said, I'm for you. Isn't that what he's, he's claiming? I'm for you. You want real freedom, right? I mean, it, we believe that that's sort of his play in heaven. That was his play. Hey, guys, why do we have to keep this law? Is God restricting us? And then with Eve, did God really say you couldn't eat from here? Why would, God, why would God create something and he, God is all good and love and then he creates something to restrict you from it? That doesn't seem like a real good God to me. And he seems like he's, he's in your corner, right? I'm in your corner. I'm just trying to make it so that you understand like more. But the fruits are different. And that's why, as specifically as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, why we've, we believe in this great controversy theme, why it must play out. That we will truly understand the difference between what Satan is pushing and what God is pushing. Who really loves us more? See, the evidence is the fruit The fruit is the evidence. It's not what somebody says. It is what they do that is the evidence. But the challenge with that is that that takes time. You have to spend time And you have to be able to see the fruits because everybody's claiming something. My car is better than your car. My house is better than you. You know, buy over here. You want this. No, no, no. It takes time. Fruit takes time. And in the society that we live in, we don't want to waste time. But if it's bad fruit, that's false provision, false security. We need to take that time. So he continues and he says this in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and didn't we drive out demons and didn't we perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This part actually scares me a little bit. Because what he says there is, not everybody that claims to be a believer is trustable. Cuz remember what was the context? Remember you have to follow the context. The context was false prophets say this or they're like they're wolves in sheep's clothing. They have bad fruit. And not everybody who says lord lord will be in the kingdom. Actually, they might even perform miracles and cast out demons. but they're still not trustable. Just because they do big things doesn't mean that they're from the Lord. Hence, fruit is not in the miracles. Actually, do you remember the continuation of the Elijah story? Elijah, he, he, he calls down fire. Eventually, he prays and it rains. And Jezebel says, Because you killed my prophets, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. He runs away. He runs away. He just called down fire from heaven. And he runs away from a woman. That's how scary women can be. <laughs> Even the fire from heaven. No. He runs away. And remember, God sort of redoes everything that happens at Mount Sinai before there's a earthquake there's fire there's wind everything mighty but God's not in the midst of it what is he in the midst of a still small voice actually in the hebrew it can be translated in the silence god is actually there more when it's silent. Just like the foot, what is it called, footprints? The poem, remember? Here we were walking together. God, why is there only one set of footprints here? Am my toughest times? Do you remember? It says, because that's when I carried you. God is in the silence. God is in the everyday I know we love when people get up here and they they have powerful testimonies. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I was, you know, dying with this. And we think, wow, what a powerful testimony how the Lord has led you. But maybe more powerful is the testimony that said, I never left. And you have always walked with me even though it's not this glamorous, I never left because the Spirit was walking with me all the time. Actually, that's sort of my beef with, uh, somewhat with like week of prayers and summer camps. I, had a, I worked at summer camp at Camp Calaqua in Florida for one summer, and there was one coworker. we were the same age, and he said to me, do you know why I'm back here at camp? He said, I'm back here because I get a spiritual experience at camp. He said, throughout the year, it's horrible. I'm I'm addicted to drugs and all this kind of stuff. But I have such a spiritual experience, and I stopped doing drugs for the summer. (laughs) Yeah, nice. And I think that's how a lot of us are. That's why we do these week of prayers at, at schools and stuff. And what will happen is you'll have this, these kids that, oh, I want to get baptized. I want to, you know, but throughout the rest of the year, they're the same as, and I'm not saying all of them, but throughout the rest of the year, it hasn't changed their devotional walk. It hasn't changed their daily experience. It's just for one week, they got on some kind of high and they're like, oh, I want to live for Jesus. And then two weeks later, They're doing what they were doing before. What he's saying there is, if you want to claim Lord, Lord, it is every day, Lord, Lord. Do you understand that? It is every day, Lord, Lord. It is every day in his word. And that's why he says, therefore, by the way, you know what the word therefore means. He said, all this stuff is, Pointing to this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet, it didn't fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Actually, I left my Bible there. Miss Rosie, could you hand me that? That reminds me of a verse in James chapter... All right, yeah. It doesn't have my name on it. It's actually technically Anna's Bible. In James, he sort of says the same thing in James chapter 1. Starting in verse 22, if you're there, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's such a strange statement. But if you got muck all over your face and you look and don't act, then the only logical thing is, well, I'm just ignoring it. So I don't care. I don't care if I have spinach in my teeth. You're going to have to get used to it i got spinach in my teeth. Okay. You just forget it. He says, don't do that. Don't forget what you've seen. Act upon it. If you look at what the text says, if you go back where it says, therefore, everyone who hears the word, remember, use the word er- Therefore. He says, if you really want to know what good fruit is, it's this. So listen, therefore. Therefore is a key word in the scriptures. It means something just was before, and I'm giving you the summation of it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is the good fruit. So if you want to know what good fruit is, and remember the context. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, The context of the Sermon on the Mount is one word, which is happy, happiness. He says this, if you want to be happy, it's doing what Jesus says. Because if you just hear it, if you are not transformed when you come here, and you hear it and maybe you had some spiritual high, by somebody who said something up front or some song that ministered to your heart, but you actually do not act upon it and change the community around you, starting at your home to your neighborhood, then you are like somebody who looks at the mirror and forgets their own face. But remember, to do this is actually to go against the grain. Now here's the cool thing about going against the grain. If you have ever done this and gone against the crowd, gone the narrow way against the crowd, you know you gotta psych yourself up for this. It's split second when you're walking, but you don't walk regular when you walk. If you're just walking, well, you know, you like my walk. But, but it's not the same. When you are going against, it takes more strength, it takes more resolve, and you know I have to really just get through this. And I do wonder if the Lord is saying here, it is impossible for you to do this. It is impossible because it just takes too much strength. But that's where I come in. This is going to be difficult. Every voice out there is going to be saying, You're going the wrong way. You are going the wrong way. You are believing the wrong things. Marriage is this, morality is this. You are going the wrong way. And the only one that will carry you through is Jesus Christ. So if we are not connected with him on a daily walk, we will lose strength. But the great thing is, is if we make it with him, the rewards are way better. And we are happier. And since I quoted this poem, I would like to end with the poem from Robert Frost. And it says this. It's called The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and I looked down as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for the passing there, that the passing there, had warned them really about the same, and both... That morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I... I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I claim that if we are willing to take the narrow way, it will make
1: all the difference.